are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you in part by Build Bar. Remember, when you use the promo code Locked On, you get $10 off your first box of Build Bars. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Your lead Buccaneer story today is actually a lead NFL story that the NFL came out and made an announcement that they have decided to stop all internationally scheduled games for 2020 and that all of the NFL's games will be played in the United States. Yeah, James. So on Monday, uh, the NFL making that announcement that they've likely been discussing for some time and reluctantly, I would imagine, decided to move forward with that for the 2020 season. Like you said, there will be no league games played overseas. Uh, and a quote from a, in a press release, there was a quote from NFL Executive Vice President of Chief Strategy and Growth Officer Christopher Halpin saying, quote, after considerable analysis, we believe the decision to play all of our games domestically this season is the right one for our players, our clubs and all our fans in the U.S., Mexico, and U.K. He continued, to, he continued to say, we greatly appreciate the support of our governmental and stadium partners in Mexico and the United Kingdom, who all agree with this decision, and we look forward to returning for games in both countries in the 2021 season, end quote. And this will come as good news to some who don't necessarily appreciate their favorite teams playing out of the country. I know there were some Buccaneers fans last year who weren't exactly all that happy to have a home game lost to London. However. On the other side of the coin, on the other side of the pond, if you want to call it that, uh, the NFL has done a very good job of building their brand and building their fan base in these overseas countries like the UK and Mexico. And those fans are certainly going to miss out on being able to see NFL action live in person for the 2020 NFL season. However, at the end of the day, I don't think it's really going to impact the work the NFL has already done in those countries. I think that the one-year absence uh, will, will, will not see a massive dip in the fan base and the following overseas and hopefully we can get everything back to normal and continue that international series in 2021. Yeah, if anything, it's just going to get them more excited for when the NFL does return in 2021. And we've seen a, a large growth in this international series through the years. It started off as one game a year. They went over to London. The, the Buccaneers participated a few times, and then it went to two. And then all of a sudden... You know, the NFL was playing four or five games internationally, which is wonderful for the growth of the sport, especially in places where the sport isn't generally played. You know, over over in Europe and, and in Mexico, it's it's you know, football in those places is soccer here. And so the the continued growth of the sport is only you know, reflective of the the fact that football is America's game now. This is the number one sport in the nation. We're trying to share it with the rest of the world and try to continue to grow the sport worldwide. And, and the NFL has made leaps and bounds in doing so. And yeah, it, it does stink, you know, for, for the people over there that get excited to go to these games. And, and we see the pictures and we see it on TV, people showing up in all different jerseys. They don't care what team is playing. They're just excited to be there. On the flip side, as you mentioned, David, it's also great for these season ticket holders who lose these home games to 
you know, the London series or the, or the game in, in Mexico city, you know, that Buccaneers fans lost last year. So it doesn't directly impact the Bucs, of course, because they had their, their game in London last year in exchange for getting the Super Bowl for the 2020 season. But you, know, you, you have to think there's, it's the best decision for the NFL for right now with everything that we have going on with the COVID-19 pandemic and the uncertainty surrounding the sport as it is complicating that by adding international travel is just, it's not a smart decision. So keeping it all here, keeping it all at home in the United States, if we want to have a season is 100% the right call at this moment in time. Right. And that impact on the fan base is not is something that was not lost on the league office. Halpin also commented, uh, quote, we also thank our incredible fans in those territories for their passionate support of the NFL. We will continue to serve them through our outstanding media partners and by being active supporters of both grassroots football and COVID-19 relief efforts in Mexico and the UK, end quote. And yeah, for the general outlook of the 2020 NFL season, I think this move is, is going to feel like some as one step closer to the possibility of a delayed or even a canceled season. Uh, but I think that it's also one step to show the the general public that the league is doing everything in their power to try to ensure that there is twenty or there is NFL football played in 2020, even going as far as sacrificing this international series, which while it's an expansion of the of the fan base and reaches out to other fan bases in other countries, it's also a very lucrative deal that the NFL has in place. So a lot of revenue being lost in this, but that's a worthy sacrifice in the eyes of the league, and I think in the eyes of most if they can get a regular season underway on schedule. All right, and coming up for the rest of the show, guys, we're continuing our interconference divisional crossover week here on the Locked On Bucks podcast. And today joining us is Cody Rourke, the host of the Locked On Broncos podcast. He's going to drop a lot of good information pertaining to the Denver Broncos and how they're going to stack up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the 2020 NFL season that we are all trying to save. But before we get to Cody, you guys already heard James talk about this episode being brought to you by Built Bar. And in fact, the entire Locked On Podcast Network is being brought to you by Built Bar, at least for the month of May, hopefully longer, because we're very excited to team up with this, uh, this company. Listen, guys, you have heard James and I give you guys a lot of ad reads over the time that you've been with us, and we appreciate you guys listening to all of them. But this one is a little bit more unique, and I'll tell you right now, it starts with how they introduce themselves to us, the host. Not only did they come to us and say, hey, we want your brand and your show to represent our company and to share our message with your listeners. They actually sent James and I and every other locked on host in the network, a box of built bars to try. They wanted us to not just have the role of being a spokesperson, have a role of being a mouthpiece for their company and tell you all the great information. They wanted us to have hands-on experience that we could share with you. And I'll tell you what, guys, I have had a lot of protein bars in my life, and this is by far the best tasting one that I've ever had. And that's one of their biggest selling points is that it's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Just this morning, I finished my workout and had the fourth flavor that I've tried so far. Uh, up to raspberry chocolate, I've tried peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, and then today I had the banana nut bread. And I will tell you guys that banana nut bread out of those four right now is my favorite flavor. Looking forward to getting through the rest of the box that they sent me so I can try the rest of the flavors, but that one is definitely a recommend from me. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate. It's soft and easy to chew, but they're also great for your for the health conscious people out there. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat that are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. For example, the peanut butter brownie, which I already mentioned, and it's delicious, guys. 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, 3 grams of net carbs, 
not bad at all, but it definitely will feel like it's more. If you go to the website, builtbars.com, guys, they've got comparisons there on their site of what their bar brings compared to some of the other leading bars out there on the market. And if you try the product, you're going to think they're lying because it couldn't possibly be that good. And to do so, all you got to do is go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N, and you will get $10 off of your first box. Again, that's promo code locked on, and you get $10 off your first box of built bars at builtbar.com. Well, we're back here once again for an NFC South crossover. The Broncos and the AFC West, they're going to be taking on the NFC South. Uh, you guys obviously heard from the Falcons. And uh, for the Bucks guys, you also heard from uh, the Raiders on yesterday's show. So today we're going to dive into a little bit more of deeper action here. And really, you know, James, David, the one thing I wanted to open up with today, we know the story of the offseason. It was the talk even after the Patriots lost to the Tennessee Titans. Where is Tom Brady going? So everybody was eyeing Tom Brady. Tom Brady is now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. It happened. It was a big change. And I know, David, I was talking to you, and uh, I think before the signing became official, you were almost kind of skeptical of Tom Brady coming over. You know, how are you guys feeling about Tom Brady now being a Tampa Bay Buccaneer? Obviously, coining the term Tampa Bay is now a, a big thing now. So how are things for you guys with Tom Brady in Tampa? Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's great to think about Tom Brady. That's something we've been communicating to Buccaneers fans is to realize that Tom Brady chose the Buccaneers for a reason. And that's something to get excited about. You know, when, when the signing was done in official Jason Light, uh, had multiple conversations. And in at least one of the conversations, he talked about how when they called the agent, the agent said, hey, it's a very good thing you called because you're one of the teams that's, you know, towards the top of the list or whatever. And they kind of went into it thinking they're going to have to sell the greatest quarterback of all time on why he should want to play for the Bucs. Instead, it turned into Tom Brady telling Jason Light and Bruce Arians why he would fit with their roster and they and why they should let him be the quarterback for their team. Uh, I mean, leading throughout the offseason, you know, I think the skepticism mainly came from just not thinking Tom Brady would leave New England. Like, it's as exciting as it's going to be, it's still going to be weird to see TB12 run onto a field, even a practice field, carrying a helmet that doesn't have a Patriots logo. But once James and I kind of start breaking down the the reality that Tom Brady might actually leave, at least at least in my in my the way I looked at it, Tampa Bay seemed like the best option for him. And I mean, it, it boosts my ego a little bit to know that he at least agreed with me because obviously he's in Tampa. Well, you know, I think it's interesting too that you say that because you know when I think about it too, everybody's making a comparison now. Can Tom Brady do what Peyton Manning did? Take two different teams to a Super Bowl? And I think with some of the moves that they have made so far this offseason, look, they they have a strong team. Bruce Arians came in, and look, he's installed a new culture in Tampa Bay, so to speak. And Bruce Arians, we all know, is the quarterback whisperer. A lot of people say Tom Brady's declined. We're finally going to figure out if he was really a system quarterback or not but I think it's plain and simple you surround a quarterback who's talented and smart the way Tom Brady is you surround him with weapons of course you're going to have success and when I look at Tampa Bay you know Chris Godwin Mike Evans now you add Rob Gronkowski you're going to keep OJ Howard on tab as well that's a lot of talent all across the board so one thing I want to ask you is do you feel like Tom Brady can do what Peyton Manning did after the Colts had released him and went to Denver, and Denver obviously had to sell him as well. So now you look at uh, top, uh, top of Bray. I mean, we're almost there. Tampa Bay having to sell Tom Brady on it. Obviously, it was very appealing for him to go at this point in his career. You know, is there traction here that now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have become a favorite in the NFC? I think it's absolutely viable. You know, a lot of people talk about you know his age and and his arm velocities falling off and this and that, and that's just simply not the case. Yeah, you know, I've I've been going through and watching a lot of Tom Brady and you know, his, his arm velocity has been there. He just frankly didn't have any weapons. And when you take a look at the 2019 Buccaneers team and 
the the problems they had with turnovers. They lost seven games by a a seven point or less margin. And in those games, Jameis Winston had 18 turnovers. You just can't have that. And so when you have somebody with the weapons that Tom Brady now has and his ability to protect the ball, his ability to make smart decisions, there's absolutely no reason why this team isn't an immediate contender, especially when the big focus has been bringing back that front seven on defense. you got Shaq Barrett coming back. you got Jason Pierre-Paul coming back. And Dominic and Sue, you still got Devin White and Levante David, which now with the spotlight on Tom Brady, Levante David's finally going to get some love because he's the most criminally overlooked linebacker in the NFL. So this team is immediately, you know, step for step on pace with the New Orleans Saints. I would still give the edge to the Saints, but not by much. There, There's no reason why this team should not or won't be in the conversation for winning the NFC crown. Well, you know, you mentioned Shaquille Barrett, obviously a former Denver Bronco. You know, he put on a clinic last season tallying 19 sacks for you guys. He gambled on himself, took a one-year deal, and it paid off. And obviously, almost a similar situation this year. You know, what's it been like for you guys having Shaquille Barrett on the team? You know, for me being able to see him put up the numbers that he was able to do in Tampa Bay, I was so happy for the guy because he's a genuinely good guy. His situation with the Denver Broncos, and there were a lot of people out there that said that the Broncos just let him go. They offered him a contract, but look, he didn't want to play as a 12th man, essentially. He wanted to be a starter, so he took a chance, gambled on himself. It paid off really well. I'm very happy for Shaquille Barrett as a Broncos analyst and uh, want to know what you guys think about Shaq. Yeah, that's, I mean, Shaq was just an amazing addition to the roster. And uh, James will remember going back to when he was actually signed by the team. Uh, you know, Cody, I think you and I have talked about it in the past. I don't know if we have, uh, but I'm actually from Castle Rock. My father retired out of Fort Carson. So Colorado is the state that I call home. I no, no longer live there for a multitude of reasons. Um, but because of that connection to Colorado and all the friends I still have back there, a lot of Broncos fans are on my Facebook page and in my text messages and et cetera, et cetera. So I keep an eye and an ear on the Broncos fan base and on the team itself. So Shaquille Barrett is a guy that I was aware of and really liked as kind of an outside, you know, uh, Broncos fan, if you want to call it that, just a fan of the state of Colorado. So when the Buccaneers signed, I was like, oh, man, this is a kid who's got some potential. He's got some juice. Really like what I know about him. So really excited to see. We had him on the show. And, and Cody, what you just said is exactly what he said. Uh, it's it, it was about being on the field to start the game. He felt like he was a guy who could be relied on by a defense to do that. And then he wanted to be on the field at the end of the game when it mattered most, and he wanted his team to lean on him. He just knew that he wasn't going to get that kind of play with the Denver Broncos, not with Chubb there, not with Vaughn Miller there. It just wasn't going to happen, so he had to go find a new place to do it. Uh, he's been a great addition to the roster. He's been a great addition to the team. I think every fan loves him. I mean, for, for a guy to come into a franchise and break a record tied to one of the greatest to play this game for this franchise ever, and the way that he did it, I mean, he handled it with such class, almost honestly – he was almost just amazed to even be associated uh, with those names and with that type of a defense from the greatest you know, Buccaneers team to ever be in this franchise, and he just handled it so perfectly, man. So just a guy who was ready for the spotlight, ready to be leaned on, and he showed that he was ready from, from, the, from day one, honestly. You know, and I'm looking at this matchup. I'm a defensive football guy, and I know Broncos head coach Vic Fangio is a defensive guy as well. I'm looking at this team right now, and I'm trying to figure out early on how is this going to play out in terms of matchups with the secondary? You have Chris Godwin, you have Mike Evans, you have Rob Gronkowski, and you have Tom Brady. You have weapons. You have O.J. Howard if they go double tight. Uh, you know, the Broncos defense will have the work cut out for them in this matchup, but, you know, I think those areas are strengths for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but I don't hear enough talk about the team's running back position or the depth there. What can you tell me a little bit about the running back spot in Tampa Bay? 
Well, Bruce Arians and Jason Light have been very vocal in their belief that Ronald Jones, not only did he step up really big in his sophomore season last year, but they feel he hasn't even scratched the surface of his potential. You know, he kind of, they went into the season praising Peyton Barber. You know, Bruce Arians, un, unprovoked, would talk about how much he enjoyed Peyton Barber. But Ronald Jones just took so many leaps and bounds that he really unseated Barber as the quote-unquote starter. They drafted Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt to come in and, and be that complimentary piece. But if Ronald Jones can continue on the trajectory that he was on last year, he's going to be an incredibly effective back. The problem is his pass catching is just, as of right now, it's below average, which I think is a big reason they brought in Keyshawn Vaughn to be that complimentary piece, that potential third down back, that pass catching guy. But if Ronald Jones can put that part of his game together as well as continuing to improve in the pass blocking, he has the potential to develop into a three down back. So we're excited about the the prospect of Ronald Jones, you know, in 2020, his second year in the offense, really finally getting a chance after being drafted and then basically not utilized by Dirk Cutter back in 2018 with with a quarterback like Brady who likes to use his running backs as those check down options. He's got that internal clock that he lives by to avoid the pressure. Then you fortify the the offensive line with a guy like Tristan Wurst. I really think sky's the limit for a guy like Ronald Jones this season. Yeah, you know, the, the pickup of Wurst was a very good pickup for them. You know, I always thought, too, the first thing they should do in uh, the NFL draft is get somebody to help protect Brady, uh, especially on his blind side. You know, and I think Wurst is going to be an agile guy to be able to do that for him. Uh, the last one I have here for you guys is, you know, I look at the NFC South this year. I look at the AFC West. I see a lot of comparisons. I see divisions that are probably, for each conference, probably the toughest division on paper right now in football. When you factor in the New Orleans Saints and the offensive weapons they've added with Emmanuel Sanders and where they've gone, and then you factor in the Falcons as well, Calvin Ridley getting geared two under the belt, obviously Matt uh, Ryan and Julio Jones, them trying to get some more help offensively as well. And then you look at the Panthers who, you know, we thought were embracing the rebuild. It appears they are. They go complete defense in the NFL draft. They pay Christian McCaffrey big-time money. They have a talented young receiving core, and then they go in on Teddy Bridgewater quarterback. You know, how do you see the Buccaneers preparing to compete with the Saints, the Falcons, and the Panthers for the division? So on paper, just from what's happened in the offseason, honestly, I put the Buccaneers in second place right now. But I, I do that with a little bit of a caveat that when you have a guy like Tom Brady on the roster, he kind of has a just just kind of a I almost call it magical sense, right, of being able to kind of tie everything together. And you've got such selfless players on this team already, guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who literally each of these receivers, all pro caliber, pro bowl players could go out, have one catch for 10 yards, no touchdowns, and be extremely happy as long as their team comes away with the W. That's all they care about. And those are the types of players that tend to thrive with Tom Brady leading the offense. And then on defense, you've got a very young core of uh, secondary players that are going to be helped extremely well by some of those veteran pass rushers and guys like Indomitian and Sue Vita Vea who are going to swallow blocks and just allow J Jason Pierre-Paul, Devin White, Levante David, Shaq Barrett, among others, to just eat quarterbacks uh, all season long. As long as they can stay healthy, it's a very exciting group. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, you know, I think they're kind of taking a step back. They finished second place in the NFC South last year, but I think they've definitely taken that step back to third place. Uh, we'll see kind of, like you, like you mentioned with Calvin Ridley, see how that development continues and if he can really kind of step up. That would help them a lot. Todd Gurley, which, which Todd Gurley are the Atlanta Falcons going to get? It seems like he's more motivated now maybe than ever, but, you know, physically if he's not completely healthy, which is kind of what I believe, it doesn't matter how motivated you are. If your body won't go, it's just not going to happen. And then, yeah, the Panthers, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think we're all kind of looking at the next 
three to five years of the Panthers kind of being the basement of the NFC South and picking in the top 10 probably, but look out because here comes Matt Rule and all of a sudden the Carolina Panthers have a defense that at least on paper looks very formidable and offense that already has Christian McCaffrey, like you said, playmakers and guys like Curtis Samuel, even though I know there's some rumors uh, surrounding him. And then Teddy Bridgewater, I think probably the most underrated signing in the National Football League who as much as you know, maybe a Rob Gronkowski could be a comeback player of the year, maybe Teddy gets to go into that category just because he gets a full season of starting under his belt. Uh, but yeah, man, I think AFC West, top to bottom, very competitive. Uh, NFC South, top to bottom, very competitive. So this entire series between these two divisions should be really fun to watch. Guys and gals, start the competition today with people important in your mom's life. Mother's Day is her Super Bowl, so celebrate this Mother's Day by scoring her favorite gift of the day. Your mom will be able to travel in her mind to exotic India, sample the food, and laugh at the perils of raising a teenager in 1950s India through a new book of fiction called The Henna Artist. By the way, it's Reese Witherspoon's book club's pick for the month of May. Then, anytime in May, post a picture of your mom and or you holding the ebook or book on Instagram or Facebook and tag the author Alka Joshi at the Alka Joshi. That's T H E A L K A J O S H I. A donation of four meals. Per post, up to 10,000 meals will go to Feeding America. So, ladies and gentlemen, buy The Henna Artist today from author Alka Joe Shi at your favorite bookseller, including Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Walmart, Costco, and Target, and make mom the ultimate winner in your family. All right, guys, David Harrison, James Yarko here for the Locked On Bucks podcast, joined today by Cody Rourke of the Locked On Broncos podcast. We've been talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what they have to bring uh, to the game against the Denver Broncos, hopefully coming up in 2020. But, Cody, we're going to switch over now to the Broncos side. I'm going to start off with Melvin Gordon. Uh, when, when the team signed Melvin Gordon, I know there were some immediate questions on social media and some media outlets surrounding the futures of running backs Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. What are your thoughts on adding Gordon? Because there were some Buccaneers people who wanted Gordon to join the team. I was kind of against it. So I'm interested to know what you think about him as a player, what he adds to the Broncos, and what it actually means for the future of guys like Lindsey and Royce Freeman. I think especially Lindsey, who I'm kind of surprised the Broncos brought in somebody who's assumed to be competition for that starting job. Well, at this point in time, the Broncos, they brought in Melvin Gordon to be the premier back. And really, that's not an indictment on Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman. The Broncos want a little bit more value at the running back position. Not against Philip Lindsay, though. They didn't feel like they got enough value from Royce Freeman in 2019. So one of the things that they did was bring in Melvin Gordon, who in a Pat Shermer offense is a reliable pass catcher out of the backfield, probably more established right now than Philip Lindsay at this point in his career. And that's nothing against Philip Lindsay. It's something, obviously, that he can continue to work on. Philip Lindsay is still going to have a premier role in this offense, and the Broncos do plan to utilize a little bit of a two-back set. So you're going to see Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay both on the field in several packages at the same exact time under Pat Shermer. And so for Philip Lindsay, I mean, going back-to-back -back seasons, a 1,000 yards rushing as an undrafted free agent, he's the first player in NFL history to be able to do that. That speaks volumes to that, but really, outside of Philip Lindsay last year, the team, uh, you know, teams that were going against Denver knew how to stack the box against them primarily against Philip Lindsay. They knew how to neutralize him. So he had to fight for every inch of that 1,000 yards. And when I look at Tampa Bay and I look at how tough their run defense was being a top, the number one rushing defense in the NFL last year, you're going to have to have somebody else to help take that pressure off of you. 
Melvin Gordon can do that in matchup situations as a receiver out of the backfield. He can also be the guy that runs strong in between the tackles. He's a hard guy to bring down. Uh, Philip Lindsay at first was a little upset about it. He was actually on an Instagram video with uh, with obviously Terrell Davis a couple of days ago talking about how he was upset, but now he views it differently now that he's had time to think about it and that you know if he did get seven, eight, five, or even three touches, he believes that one of them is going to be for a touchdown. And so he's excited to see how they can work as a tandem. But, you know, certainly interesting. But I do think it kind of paints the picture that Royce Freeman's role in Denver could be limited or he could be on his way out. Cody, between the signing of Melvin Gordon and then Denver goes out, they draft two wide receivers. It's very, very clear that this team is coming into the offseason looking to do any and everything they can to help out quarterback Drew Locke. John Elway has spent a lot of time seeking out that next franchise quarterback, you know, has been coming up short numerous times throughout his general manager career. And, and it shows just how different playing the game and evaluating the game truly is. Do you think that John Elway has finally found his guy in Drew Locke now? You know, that's a great question. I'd say it's hard. You know, I'd say for any NFL team, once you've been accustomed to Peyton Manning for four seasons, you go to two Super Bowls, uh, it, it's very, very difficult, I think, to replace that. And the Broncos didn't really have a good backup plan there. Well, they actually did, but Brock Osweiler decided to, to leave Denver, chase the money, go to Houston. We all know how that turned out for him. Uh, but I believe the future would have been better for Osweiler if he stayed in Denver. But that completely derailed things. So they had to go, they had to reach for a quarterback in Paxton Lynch. He didn't prepare well enough. He didn't study the playbook long enough or hard enough. And he couldn't even get on the field. He couldn't beat out seventh rounder Trevor Simeon who, in my opinion, is a very good backup in the NFL. Uh, so I think that, you know, right now with Drew Locke, he, you know, you're able to get him in round number two of the 2019 NFL draft. Certainly what we saw from him in four games, five games, you know, he went four and one in a five-game sample size. We saw some really good things, but we also didn't see enough from Drew Locke to be like, okay, this guy is the guy of the future. He's getting all of 2020 right now to be able to demonstrate that. And, you know, I think it's going to be a good case study, to be honest with you, James, because we talk about hard, being hard to replace Peyton Manning. I want to see how New England is being able to try to replace a guy like Tom Brady. We're going to see exactly what NFL teams go through you know, with some of the top-tier quarterbacks in the NFL. We've seen that with Manning. I wonder if we're going to see that with Brady and how he goes on to play in Tampa Bay and how that may impact New England. But I do think that Drew Locke is the guy for 2020. He's got to demonstrate week in and week out that he can be a guy that can grow consistently. He's got so many weapons. I mean, really, with the Broncos' emphasis in the NFL draft, they are completely 110% locked on. Very nice. I like it. Um, so I have another question actually about John because, you know, Cody, I haven't been home in a little while. I know John Elway, you know, is, is, is synonymous with, with Colorado and the Denver Broncos, as is the color orange. But you know how the league works, especially today. There's a short leash on everybody and there's high expectations. And I know that nobody has higher expectations for the general manager job and, and the running of the organization than John Elway does for himself. But is, is his seat getting warm at all either – in the media, in the fan base, or within the organization itself? You know, that's a great question. Every year, you know, there are a lot of fans, and I'd say the one indictment that a lot of people have on John Elway, you know, some of his uh, draft classes from probably 2016, 2017, uh, even a little bit into 2018, a lot of people were wondering where the Broncos went. But the 2018 draft class, the 2019 draft class, have, have proved to be phenomenal for the Broncos. And then so far on paper right now, the 2020 draft class looks very talented. We'll see what happens on the on-field product. Uh, but obviously that and the evaluation of quarterback have really been where Broncos fans have said, 
John Elway needs to go. But really, I don't think John Elway is going to ever leave the Denver Broncos until the ownership situation really gets situated or unless he retires. You know, at this point in time, the ownership situation right now, uh, obviously for controlling the franchise under, you know, for Pat Bowen, who had passed away, uh, they're trying to figure out how to make that happen. They're executing the plan right now. The trust is that Pat Bowen put into place. But until that situation is really resolved, I don't see John Elway really parting ways with the Denver Broncos unless he retires. Uh, but at this point in time, he's got a lot of say. He's the president of football operations there, plus the general manager. So he's got a really big role, and I think that he's made some big moves. You know, I think it was risky to go with a guy like Vance Joseph, who, you know, as a defense coordinator, you look at his product. It wasn't that great in Miami, but then you also go into Vic Fangio. I think it was a home run hire for Vic Fangio coming in, and those guys have collaborated so much more than John Elway and any other head coach that the Broncos have had since John Elway's been running the show. And uh, it's been very crazy to see how much of the same page that they are on with each other. And the decisions have trickled in from a top-level administrative decision-making all the way down to head coaching. And so you have a united front there, which the Broncos haven't had on this team for quite some time. So I'm excited to see how it goes for year two for Vic Fangio. And plus, obviously, with John Elway overseeing things, there's a lot of input that he has. But I think that the, the seat is not really warm for John Elway, contrary to what you know popular belief is amongst Broncos fans. Cody, we go back to the 2020 draft, and I'm not going to rattle off all of the Broncos picks because you guys had about 74 of them. But you know, it's some of the highlights, you know, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, the, the back-to-back wide receivers to open things up, Michael uh, Ojemuda, Lloyd Cushenberry. I'm not even going to bother trying. I already, already butchered the corner out of Iowa's name. I'm not going to mess with the tight end out of Missouri. But with the class that they came away from – not necessarily who's the best, because I think we can all agree it's going to be Jerry Judy, but what was your favorite pick for this team out of this draft class that, that the name came across the board and you just went, you know what, this guy is absolutely perfect for what they need to do in Denver in 2020? You know, that's a great question. I'm going to pronounce the Mizzou tight end for you, Albert Okuebunum. You know, it was definitely interesting trying to be able to get the pronunciations right, but now I've got it down pat. Uh, But I think my favorite pickup, obviously, look, it's hard to dispute Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. Those two pickups, in my opinion, probably the best. Uh, But if we're talking about an underrated, just completely under the radar that nobody is going to talk about until it happens, is one of the third-round picks in McTelvin Ajim, defensive lineman out of Arkansas. Look, when I watch him play on film, I watched him against LSU, and obviously Arkansas got blown out. Uh, But outside of that, the one guy that stood out to me on film against LSU was McTelvin Ajim, and he also got to go against Bronco uh, Lloyd Cushenberry now. Uh, So I think the Broncos get a starter, and Lloyd Cushenberry is the center for the team in 2020. I think McTelvin Ajim is going to be a critical role player on this Broncos defense, and he's going to be my surprise guy. You know, it's easy to say that KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy are going to be the best pickups, obviously, in my opinion. I think, yes, they are. Uh, But in terms of a guy that nobody's talking about right now that is going to surprise people, and you're going to hear his name during the regular season, McTelvin Ajim for sure. All right, Cody, last question for me uh, for today. Before the NFL draft even got started, the Broncos were already working on addressing their defense, uh, which not that long ago helped carry this team to their latest Super Bowl championship. Uh, nabbing Jarrell Casey for a seventh rounder, which is a steal. AJ Bouye for a fourth rounder, which is good value as far as I'm concerned. How do you feel about this Denver defense on paper before obviously training camp, preseason, and all that? Uh, and, and how do you think it might stack up to those Super Bowl defensive teams? 
Well, you know, I go back to the 2015 defense. The Broncos, their pass rush, they had Demarcus Ware, Von Miller. They had Malik Jackson as an interior defensive lineman. They had really good coverage inside backers in uh, Brandon Marshall. And they also had Danny Trevathan at the time, Darian Stewart, TJ Ward, Akeem Sleeve, Chris Harris Jr. Obviously, that defense, in my opinion, is probably arguably one of the best of all time, you know, even up there with that, the Tampa Bay defense. It's always going to be that argument there. Uh, but in terms of where this defense is at right now, I think with Vic Fangio's system, A.J. Boye, is the perfect fit for this defense for being a field side cornerback. Going to be the guy that follows the number one receiver around the field. Justin Simmons, who turned into an all-pro last year in Vic Fangio's defense. Kareem Jackson, who really excelled at the strong safety position. You get Bradley Chubb back from an ACL injury. I think his impact's going to be big, opposite of Von Miller. Then you add Jarrell Casey, who, look, in certain packages, you could play him as a defensive end. You could play him as a defensive tackle. So you have a, a variety of different options on your defensive line right now that you could rotate in, depending on what kind of team you're going to be facing, the type of personnel. Are they going to go stack twins? Or are they going to go spread them out? I mean, I think the Broncos have the personnel right now to be able to match up against those teams. They do have some young guys, though, that I'm looking forward to seeing take a step up. You know, Bryce Callahan didn't play in 2019. Is he going to be fully healthy? Can he make it through a season? If so, he's going to play in the slot. What about the other outside corner to the boundary side of the field? Is it going to be Devontae Bosby? Or is it going to be Michael O.J. Mudia out of Iowa? Or is it going to be Isaac Adam, who's entering year number three? You're going to see an extensive quarterback, a cornerback competition at that position for the other cornerback three spot. Uh, but outside of that, I think right now on paper, they've got a very good defense. Inside linebacker, Alexander Johnson really emerged onto the scene last year. They were the number one red zone defense all across the board. And then they were also a top 10 passing defense. They evolved after an 0-4 start. And then they were able to get their run defense under control. But I think they're going to be more disciplined this year. They're going to be strong. But look, we're, the true measure is going to be, how do they do against Kansas City? And also, you know, how are they going to do against uh, Tampa Bay when Tom Brady and Shaquille Barrett come to town? Yeah, great stuff, Cody. I think every Buccaneers fan listening to this episode just got a whole lot smarter on the Denver Broncos. It'll make them a lot more impressive once they can get back to the water cooler and start flexing that NFL knowledge against their coworkers. Uh, great time as always, man. Appreciate you being on the show. Appreciate you letting us on your show and speak to your audience. Uh, can't wait for the, the regular season crossover coming this fall. Big thank you once again to our good friend Cody Rourke over at the Locked on Broncos podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. And of course, check out everything David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Smash that subscribe button. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, that way we're dropping on your podcast app of choice every single morning, bringing you the latest in Buccaneers news. Stay safe. Stay healthy. For those of you that enjoyed May the 4th, may you also enjoy Revenge of the 5th. And we thank you all so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks. <laughs>